This episode of Boomerology Revealed is brought to you by Stander, your best option for mobility products. Be independent with Stander.com. Boomers, there are 76 million of us just here in the U.S. We are the biggest generation that ever existed. We were called the me ones, the crazy ones, and boy, do we know what that means, don't we? In fact, we have reinvented every single phase of our lives. We were the yuppies, we were the hippies. We like innovation. Well, now we are in the winter of our lives. And I can assure you, this is not going to be your average winter. I invite you to join me at Boomerology Revealed every single week so we can figure out how boomers are reshaping this phase of their lives. Join me. On this episode of Boomerology Review, we invite Anthony Cirillo, author of Who Moved My Dentures, to talk about caregiving. And then we are going to see what you really need to look after when getting a lift chair, some tips on exercise and health, and the most funny viral video ever. I'm Shahar, I'll see you next. So folks, today we have a very special guest, Anthony Cirillo, author of the book Who Moved My Dentures. Thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having me. Anthony, I would like to uh, first ask you about your story and how you got involved with elders. Sure. Well, I started out uh, as a healthcare professional in, in Philadelphia, and I was a consultant to various hospitals and uh, uh, you know, working in the healthcare industry for many, many years now. Uh, but I was also a, uh, a full-time musician at night. I played in uh, different bands and uh, you know, res uh, resorts and casinos and things like that, kind of semi-professional. I've been to Nashville to record. I've written songs and all kinds of things like that. And when I got out of bands and nightclubs, I was um, essentially wondering what I was going to do with my musical talent. And uh, one of the people who worked for me at the hospital was a um, – he actually was a juggler. So, you know, juggled things. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he went into these continuing care communities, you know, that have all the levels of care. And um, and he said, you know, you, you don't realize there's a whole world out there that would really like to, uh, you know, would love great entertainment. And so I went and checked it out. And when I left Philadelphia, I was doing about 100 performances a year. And uh, what I realized pretty quickly was that um, I was getting a lot of fulfillment out of it, but I was also get, you know, giving a lot of fulfillment to, to elders. And so uh, when we uh, came down to North Carolina, uh, kind of that journey expanded. So uh, you know, from uh, you know, going from performing to writing a book to doing professional speaking to now being involved you know, as the uh, assisted living expert for about.com and on a national board of directors of the looking at person-centered care. That's very fun. Now, about your book, Who Moved My Dentures, I actually, when I saw this, I saw on Google Plus the first time, I said, what a clever title, right? Uh, tell me about this book. How, why did you decide to write that book and what's in it? You know, I basically interviewed a lot of interesting residents that I was entertaining for. I asked the activity directors to do the same. And essentially what the book is, it's a, it's a book of human interest stories uh, that essentially dispel different myths uh, of uh, about living in assisted living or long-term care. You know, basically everybody groups all that, all those things together, and they think it's all one, and they have a very negative, you know, image of that. And yet, I've I've met, you know, residents who have a better quality of life, in my opinion, than some people I know on the outside. In terms of the title, essentially, I just kind of came up with that. I don't know. It was just one day it popped out. 
but then I actually backed into a logical reason why that book actually makes sense. Uh, because if you know the, the the cheese book, you know the Who Moved My Cheese. Mm -hmm. It's about resiliency in the workplace, right? And it's if something happens, how do you rebound? That kind of thing. Well, this book's about the same thing. If you really think about it, it's mm -hmm. about elders who, at one point in in their life, faced a choice. They couldn't live perhaps independently anymore, and they needed to go into uh, some kind of advanced type of care. As boomers, most of us we do have aging parents and we are feeling also the effects of aging ourselves, right? And I think one commonality between us and our parents is that we really like independence. That's a, a key point, right? And because of physical issues and things, we start losing some of that. Now, going to an assisted facility has, as you mentioned a few moments ago, some myths. What are some of those myths? I can tell you I'm in the middle of a real-life situation right now with my mom. She's 92. And we're relocating her from uh, Florida uh, to North Carolina. And um, last week we actually were uh, shopping, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, for assisted living for her, uh, but actually wound up um, putting her, uh, selecting for her an independent living facility, and we'll supplement that with, you know, home health care of some sort. I guess one myth is that people group all of these together. You know, if they think of one, they think of all. So, if most people think about long-term care, they immediately their mind immediately goes to nursing home. You know, which immediately goes to this is a place I go to die, as opposed to a place to live another chapter of of one's life. And so, I think that's one of the first myths that I try to um, explore in the book and and with people when I'm when I'm speaking is that you know. They're really, you know, for these people, they really are the next place, the next chapter of where they're going to live uh, and probably the last place they're going to live. And, uh, and again, there's people who are in these places who live a quality of life and there are other people who d don't. And it really, a lot depends on who you were, I think, before you got there, you know, so how we have lived our life. And before you go on with the myths, how did you approach this subject with your mother? I have an aging mother myself, and I come from a country where multi-generational homes are normal, and it's very, it's very difficult to send people away. Here in the United States, that's more common, right, to find a place. But how do you approach the subject with them? Well, I think for anybody, the best way to approach it is to, to talk about it well before the care is needed. Uh, now, you know, we've had some conversations in the past, but frankly, unfortunately, uh, my sister passed away on January 15th. Okay. And, you know, this became a very urgent discussion because my sister was the caregiver for my mother and she lived in my mom, you know, lived in my sister's house in Florida. And so it, the first realization for, I guess, my mom was the fact that her daughter wasn't there anymore and was, you know, the person taking care of her. We really just had to have a really honest discussion, but the first thing we did was let her just, we didn't bring it up right away because obviously she, we were all grieving. And so we had a very special circumstance and that's usually when it happens is that people wait till there's a crisis and then talk about it. And so the best, the best advice is to talk about it way before it's needed. So, you know, we essentially just kind of laid it out. Here, here are the different options and we at first, we're thinking that she would need assisted living, and we tried, you know, again, I work in the profession, and but yet I had to very, you know, logically explain to her the differences between 
the different types of care. And she really only needed some help in the shower and not even a whole activity of daily living of somebody bathing her. She just needed supervision to get in, mm -hmm. make sure she was safe, and then she could bathe herself. So Absolutely. when it was all said and done for her, we actually uh, picked an independent living facility. And, you know, but we had her thinking at least that she needed extra help. She couldn't live alone. It was pretty obvious. And we just let that incubate with her a little bit so that I think by the time we actually had the most serious discussion about we really have to move you, she was ready for it. Could you briefly outline the differences then between assisted living, uh, independent facilities and things like that? Sure. Um, uh, well, I guess the most acute setting is a, is a nursing home, a skilled nursing home. And, you know, essentially these are folks who really in no way, shape, or form can take care of themselves in, in any way. Though nursing homes are also now, to make money, are serving a lot as rehab facilities for people who have had knee and hip operations. And so mm -hmm. people might go there. And so they have a more intense medical level. You know, they have more registered nurses on staff. They have occupational and physical therapy and all these types of things. So it's almost like a hospital, but not quite. Assisted mm -hmm. living is basically there are medical professionals available. The staffing ratio is, is less. There's not as many RNs per resident. And essentially, you essentially enter in a month-to-month -month lease, though they don't call it a lease. Mm -hmm. And then you pay extra for how much help you need with activities of daily living. So bathing, feeding, dressing, all those types of things. So essentially, assisted living is going to do hands-on assistance with activities of daily living. And again, we we thought hard about mom and said, does she really what does she really need? Because mm -hmm. she's really she could dress herself, she could feed herself, she can cook, um, you know, she could do her she can count out her prescriptions. And at the end of the day we decided that she didn't need that extra level of care for the huge amount of money that one pays for that. And so we looked at independent living. Now, there's all various all various models of independent living from senior communities that just have apartments that are labeled for 55 plus to the community we found where you know if you go into the rooms they are designed for seniors. So the outlets are a little bit higher. The doorways are wider. They have uh, emergency call buttons in all the rooms. Uh, this place has, you know, a 24-7 uh, managers that are on, uh, basically live there. They have chosen to live there, so they're really dedicated. They have a full, robust activity program like a nursing home or assisted living might have. They have three meals a day like an assisted living or nursing home. The only thing they don't have is the medical piece. Could you, let's go back to the myths, uh, can you tell me one more myth in this industry? Well, I think, you know, people think they're going to go into um, a lot of these places and be isolated and essentially, uh, you know, for example, the community that mom's going into, there are people from 63 to 98 and there's mm -hmm. people in walkers and wheelchairs and there's people in, you know, living independently and you don't have to take a long time to, to kind of just observe how they kind of all care for each other and they're going to make sure that people are coming out and participating but again a lot of it is who were you before you got there were you a social creature or not uh, because you're, you know people are not going to change a whole lot and so you know the people who are going to have a quality life there are going to participate and uh, and get involved but I think a common myth is that I'm going to sit in my room all day and there's nothing to do or I'm going to do really boring stuff 
uh, you know, and uh, and it's just not true. I mean, there's you're only limited by the amount that you want to do, mm -hmm. and uh, and your motivation to do it. As a speaker, you have a talk uh, called "The Meaning of Life." Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I'm so presumptuous that I would know that, right? <laughs> um, well, essentially, again, it's an outgrowth of the book uh, because essentially I was I was learning so much from these elders about the you know the ones who were living a quality life, um, you know, had certain lessons to teach, and so I talk about seven or eight different things in this keynote about the people I've met who are living a quality life in these places we associate with death, right? The keynote basically is a, a collection of songs and stories, okay, mm -hmm. and then uh, exercises for people to get, actually do for themselves. So, for example, I talk about, you know, a resident in a nursing home I met here in Charlotte. Her name was Ruth Ann, and, um, you know, essentially when she went in there, she kept herself very busy, and mm -hmm. uh, the first point I make is still having purpose. And so, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll sing the Leanne Womack song, I Hope You Dance, you know, that kind of thing. I'll talk about, um, you know, maintaining a sense of humor or having a great attitude or having a big social network. Uh, another thing I talk about is lifelong learning. You know, the people who are in these places still have a mind that's active and they want to know. The people who don't thrive are people who have just basically shut down and said, well, yeah, I'm going to die here, that kind of thing. You have the elders, and now you have the boomers becoming elders, right? Uh, do you see a difference there, and what kind of advice you can give to us that are starting to face this phase in our lives? And I, I know as boomers, we we still think about, you know, independence is a huge thing, right. right? And so how should we start looking at that? Well... Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, independence is is what everybody wants, and so I don't want to mislead um, people to think I am a, a pro nursing home assisted living person. I mean, at the end of the day, look what I you know we picked for our mom was an independent living place. So that's really kind of what you want to aim for. Uh, but the, my whole platform, I call it educated aging, and essentially what I say is that people need to prepare for aging sooner in life. And I talk about physical health. I talk about financial health and I talk about emotional health. And so I think you need all three in combination to actually get into your older years with a quality of life that will allow you to live independently. So so part of this is just a you know what are you doing in your even 20s and 30s let alone your 40s, 50s and 60s about preparing for aging. A lot of people I see in nursing homes got there not because age caught up with them, but because they didn't keep up with themselves. Okay, mm -hmm. so they didn't take care of their bodies essentially, and we know that 95% of what's out there, disease-related, and the chronic conditions we have are preventable conditions. Right? A lot of it, you know, not smoking, diet, exercise, you know, all of it, you know, is in our control. Most of it's in our control, and so the more we can physically stay you know at the best of our abilities the the longer we're going to delay having ever to need you know care like that mm -hmm. um, financials there's long-term care there's you know the whole Obamacare thing is about hospital insurance and hospitals okay because it has nothing to do with long-term care long-term care it's a very simple equation if you go into a, a nursing home other than if you're hospitalized and Medicare picks up a you know maybe the first hundred days or an assisted living, 
it's coming out of your pocket, period, unless you have long-term care insurance. And essentially after that money's done, um, then it's a crapshoot because, as I found out last week, uh, because I know exactly how many years I think mom's money will last to pay for assisted living on her own. And once that happens, I needed to know from the one assisted living, well, will she be able to go to, to Medicaid, and will you accept that rate? And the mom was clear, yes, we will, and she'll have to go from a private room to pray be being with another person in a room. Okay, I get it. The other place offered me no assistance that way. And, and essentially, I've heard horror stories where people will be kicked out of an assisted living once their funds run out. So you really have to take this kind of thing seriously. And uh, the, the final platform, I call it emotional health. It, it, it goes back to the meaning of life program. What have I learned from all these elders that can help me lead a better quality life as I grow older? And, you know, I've, I've touched on some of them. The one I really didn't touch on that um, I see a lot is that uh, this idea of gratitude, that the, the folks, you know, I could, there's an African-American woman in the one nursing home I sing in Greensboro. Um, She's in a wheelchair, she's blind, and yet she has the most fantastic quality of life because of the attitude she has. And so when I show up for an hour and sing, this has made her week or month, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And so, again, it's about an attitude shift, and she's incredibly grateful, and therefore, you know, I would put her, you know, with, any, with some people I know who are just kind of, you know, miserable, uh, you know, so again, it's it's what can you learn from these elders that can help you live a better life. That's so true, and I, I do think, <clears throat> sorry, that <clears throat> there is a shift. I was in um I, a few weeks ago. I got myself one of those wearable trackers that tracks your steps and help, and I love oh, yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and so my daughter wanted one, and we went to an electronic store this weekend to get one for her, and it was actually fascinating, Anthony. First of all because they were almost gone. No matter the brand you were choosing, there were few. And in the moment that she was deciding which color, which type she wanted, I saw at least three couples, and I could easily tell that they were bordering 60 or, or more, getting some for themselves. And I said, well, electronic wearables are so new, and you're seeing this type of adoption, uh, it tells you something, that people are really uh, at least conscious that they need to worry about their health. Yeah, I have to laugh because this morning, and again, the last six weeks have been very stressful for uh, my wife and I, and so yeah. between the holidays and the losses, you know, we, ha we haven't been exercising or, or eating right at, at all. And so, you know, I've been avoid. I have one of those scales who basically it talks to the internet, you know, and it'll, it'll relay your weight and your uh, BMI and, uh -huh. you know, your fat content. And I very gingerly went on the scale for the first time in, I think, five weeks this today. Good. And it was not good. I can tell you that. <laughs> but now I have a reminder now on the Internet when I go check my, you know, where I was uh, three months ago versus where I am today. It's, uh, it's kind of a motivator to, uh, you know, pre pre pretty much get back in action. So I think people are starting to do it. Uh, but, it, you know, it goes beyond you know, wearing these things and tracking them, you really have to get serious about the program and, and, mm -hmm. uh, and do it. And it's, it's, it's simply hard. I mean, diet and exercise sound easy, but it's, yeah. it's just not. <laughs> yeah. Anthony, any final message you would like to, to tell our viewers? I was just quoted, uh, actually cited most of the article was uh, citing uh, some thoughts I had on Forbes. 
basically it was you know how to tear, how to turn caregiving from a burden to an opportunity and uh, you know from whether it's the resources you can avail that are online that, that can help you uh, to funding sources for caregiving and home care or even respite care for yourself so the bottom line for me is that caregivers need to take care of themselves uh, I can tell you that my sister uh, was under a lot of stress as a caregiver and it wasn't a direct cause of what uh, what what her illness became but I'm sure it didn't help in in battling the illness you know there, there are caregivers and uh, it was no more telling than with my sister who have predeceased pre the person they're caring for uh, mm -hmm. and uh, that's not uncommon so caregivers really need to take care of themselves Anthony if people want to know more about you how where do they go uh, you can uh, you can go to my website www.number4wardfast.com uh, forward fast. Um, but uh, I guess the best place is my other website on on my platform of aging. It's called educatedaging.com. Mm -hmm. I've been there. It's very good, very informative. Thank you very much. Anthony, thank you very much for your time. I think the, uh, your information is invaluable to caregivers, boomers, age, and, and all of us that are, have aging parents. It, very good. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for doing your show and bringing that information to people. Thanks. Thank you. So today I want to talk to you about lift chairs. You know, I have a friend named Marie. This is her house. She doesn't want to be on camera. And she had two bad knees. So she went and did surgery on one of them and now she needs to do another one on her right knee. So because it was getting very difficult to go up and down the stairs, she decided to go with a lift chair. You know these are not inexpensive items, they go for four or five thousand dollars each. So she did do a lot of research online and decided to go with a stana. That seemed to be a very popular uh, one and it would work for her. But after it was installed, she faced some issues. For example, the first one is you have the rails going down she has very big stairs here and it stays on the floor the rail which can be an issue because people can trip on that and she chose the mechanism that is chain based it seemed at the moment that it was the best option but the fact is that it gets very greasy and she has lost several uh, cloth items because of that but that's not the biggest issue she knows that when she will have her surgery, she will be with the, the legs on a cast or something similar. So she needs to go up the stairs. She's a lot taller than I am. For you to have an idea, I'm five feet tall and I'm already touching the wider part of the stairs. It gets a little narrower up to the top. So I wouldn't be able either to do that. She's a lot taller, so it's impossible. Her solution would be, of course, that she could turn the, the chair either to one side or to another. Well, this one, I can, I can go and do like this, but then the stairs don't go, the chair doesn't go up. And I have no way of doing that to this side, which would be ideal, right? I would be crooked to this side and be able to go up the, the stairs. So that's a huge issue. There are ways of doing that, but you need this type of levers that you see here. They need to really go down when you want to make this the, the chair works, which not they, it's not like that here. In this one, you actually have to do this and then you start going up, see? So it's a big issue for her because she's going to be with the cast and there is no way of going up and down in that way. Some suggestions that she made to the company was actually to install this a little bit closer to the, we have like half a palm here, if they could go up to three inches closer to the wall, 
so there would be more room to go up and down with the chairs uh, and oh, the chair as well would be closer to the wall so it would make things a little bit easier um, she found out that to provide any so real solution for this chair like having you know the levers down be able to have the the chair working would cost her about one thousand dollars more which it, it was already a very expensive purchase and then she would have to pay even more to to have a solution so this kind of things it's important for you when you're buying your own not only to research online pay a lot of attention to reviews like this one so you know which will be the best option for you maybe your stairs are wider and this wouldn't be an issue but you know hers is is above average already uh, maybe your stairs are not so big hers is, is more than average but it's still so you have to to see how you're going to be using the chair it's not just a matter if it goes up and down but it, you know it can fit uh, the other problem with this lever is having to be up when you go up is that if you have a big butt you also have an issue here right because then you don't have enough room for yourself so take care of about these details before you decide to make a purchase. So you don't have, you know, to be really fighting with the company, which is the case with Marine right now, you know, because everything becomes an upsell opportunity for them. The chair already costs a lot of money. Uh, doesn't make any sense. And it's not going to serve, serve the main purpose that is right after the surgery. Hey guys, I found this video on YouTube that is a, just a hilarious. It's about boomers, of course, but it's really, really fun. So you have to watch it. Let's do it. the show for today and that you had some fun don't forget to go and check our sponsors right and then of course leave comments share share the love out there and i'll see you next week at boomerology revealed this episode of boomerology revealed is brought to you by standard your best option for mobility products be independent with standard.com